Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Connie. And I'm Danny. And as God is transforming the seasons into this beautiful fall moment, God is also seeking to transform our hearts and lives through the celebration of worship. We're glad that you've joined us. Come on in. First lesson is Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land, which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians 1, the very first chapter, 11 through 20. Listen now for the word of the Lord. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So indeed, today is a day of celebration. Vicki lets you know in the children's moment that Christ the King is one of the high points in our liturgical calendar. That's just our church calendar every year. That familiar ebb and flow with the different colors that designate our different seasons. This is the last day of our Christian calendar. We begin next week with Advent, and in our three-year lectionary cycle, 
I know, it's all very captivating. We have year A, year B, and year C. And we're moving from year A, it's the last day this week, we move to year B next week as we start Advent. But it is a change that is worthy of paying attention to. Why? Well, because it, this started last Advent. And every Sunday, all that we went through together on that journey with Christ through the preparation of him being born, through then the season of Lent, and then into Easter, then into Pentecost, then back into ordinary time. All that we have walked through in this unique year ends today. That's not bad, is it? We can just go ahead and call it right here. (laughs) At least the church calendar anyway. But it is the climax of everything we have been through in the last year. It is proclaiming that Christ is the King. And why is that good for us? Well, it encases and encapsulates the good news. Everything that we can say about God and what we've walked through with Christ can be celebrated in proclaiming that Christ is the King. So as we look at this season of Thanksgiving, we're in the week, this week, and again in a year for which we say, really, preacher, we giving thanks for all that mess? There's so much, friends, for us to be thankful for, so much, so much. And it starts and ends with Christ. So as we look at what we're giving thanks for this week, it'll be natural. I don't know what your traditions are when you gather or used to gather or will Zoom gather or won't gather around the turkey this year. Sometimes people go around and each share something they're thankful for. Maybe there's a prayer that encapsulates our spirit of thanksgiving. And that's hard sometimes because there are people all over the world that give thanks for different things. In some places, they may give thanks that there is water in the river that feeds the animals, that feed the people. They may be, in some places, thanks for the sunlight that grows the plants. In some places, they are thankful for a new road that connects their rural village with a city. We are thankful for medicine. We are thankful for governments that seek to follow peace and serve the people that they have been called to govern. We can be thankful for simple things like clothes and homes and food because for so many, they are not simple. So then what can we all be thankful for all around the world, no matter where we live or how we live, or even why we live, we can be thankful, friends, that Christ is the King. Why do we give thanks for that? Well, again, really quick, think about three things you're thankful for in your life. Go. Go. 
There's a story about a young man in elementary school and his teacher had his classmates write down a list of things they are thankful for. And first on his list was glasses, glasses. And the teacher thought, well, that's, that's kind of unique. Usually children don't like to wear glasses and they might be a little embarrassed if, it's, if they're different and cause attention to themselves. And so she said, Johnny, after class, why, why did I notice you put glasses on your list? Why are you thankful for that? He says, well, it keeps the boys from hitting me and the girls from kissing me. Well, there you go. That might change in a few years, but at that moment, his glasses performed several needed functions for his day-to-day survival. When we say we are thankful for Christ as king, it kind of, we have to dive into that a little bit. Yes, I think we would all, all be willing to say Christ is our king, yes. So foreign for us as Americans, we gave up the monarchy several hundred years ago when we broke from Britain. Sometimes we kind of smirk a little bit. Look at all that. Why, are they, why is that so important? Would it be the same to call Christ a president? Is that equivalent of a king in this country? Shouldn't be. Christ the president? Hmm. We know the well-meaning but fallen people who occupy that office throughout time. It's the same with kings. They're humans, although sometimes they've been worshipped as deities. We give thanks to Christ as king because what that means for us. First, it means, and this is the hard part, friends, we have to submit to this Christ, to this king for us to fully reap the benefits of this journey. And we don't like that. We don't like submit to anybody. We have this dog that I talk about from time to time. God, over the summer... He's cute. He's a little monster. He's cute just enough and, and sta- stable and, and tranquil just enough that we can derive that relationship, that love. But man, is he stubborn. Will not submit. Will not. He has not been broken. We are close. A lot of times when you're petting the dog, the dog puts his foot on your foot or on your hand just to let you know who's in charge. When you go outside and you're trying to train the dog, the dog will be okay for a while. But then when the dog has enough, the dog has had enough. We use a proper shock collar with him under the training of a personal trainer. So we are using it well for the animal's benefit, I think it just makes him mad. Go have the thing all the way, uh, as high as it will go, and you'll see, but still will not submit, will not submit. We are very much the same way, although God does not, although God might think, no, that's a bad idea. Put shock collars on all of us. Life is hard enough. We encounter shock enough in life, but we are so unwilling to submit because of what we think that means. It means we've given up our minds to be able to think for ourselves. It means we've been given, we, we give up autonomy or independence that we can do anything on our own. It means that now we have to rely on this God instead of doing what we know that we can do to take care of ourselves and our family. <clears throat> 
and we go on and we go on. And we have this odd relationship with God that God knows about because God sent Christ. And because we refuse to submit, we also too refuse to allow ourselves to inherit the depth of the love and the grace and the joy and yes, the challenge and the struggle and the journey that God places before us. And sometimes in those moments where life does shock us, we do indeed turn to God in those moments because it, is those, it, it comprises those times that are completely out of our control. We've had a lot of practice with that this year. A lot of things outside of our control that we've had to figure out how to say, in my world, I have control over these things. I cannot control other people. I cannot control other systems. But when we follow God, it is not that then we just give ourselves and then we sit down and wait for God to do everything else. It's a new calling. It's a new beginning. It's a new journey where we know we walk with Christ to whom we submit as king. In that traditional relationship, the king is the Lord and sovereign over a particular area. That king controls and commands the armies, the military, the enforcement. That king sets taxes and regulations and rules for that area, for the king's area. Whatever the king says goes. It's good to be the king, as Mel Brooks said in one of his movies. But for Christ, it is so much bigger and so much wider than a little patch of land over which one person rules. This passage that Paul is lifting up to us, to his friends in Colossae, are saying that God's rule through Christ is over all things. All that has been created is subject to Christ's rule. And it's just when we get stubborn as our, my dog that we refuse to give ourselves to the purpose and plan of this journey. And again, it's easier said than done. I know it. And it comes and goes. We may come to Christ. We may have amazing moments and seasons with Christ, but we know we come and go from God. We are always in a position of self-examination. How was my, why did I respond that way? What would God call me to do and say in this instance or this case? How do I help this person? How do I allow myself to be helped? How does that bear on my Christian journey? We are always trying to figure out who Christ is calling us to be. But we know what Christ is calling us to be, and that is forgiven, it is redeemed, and it is saved. So if we have the courage to not see the word submit as something negative, which again, in our country, a country founded on rugged individualism, it's that much harder for us to lay down our lives to the one who created that life in the first place. But when we do, as Paul is telling, the journey begins anew. 
And so much of our fears, our darkness, won't be alleviated from life. Difficult things happen no matter how strong a Christian you are. But we know that the journey is different. We know that there is light over the darkness. Paul tells us, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now don't forget that Colossians... Paul was writing to them from a church he didn't found. Epaphras started that, but Epaphras came back to Paul, who's in Rome, we think, when he wrote this in prison and was giving a report of these Colossians who were struggling. They're fighting with false doctrines. They're looking at extreme forms of Judaism. They're looking at early Gnosticism um, or Gnosis, um, that, that sect around Jesus's time, that said that, this, that God, a demigod, a lower God created earth, maybe even an evil God and all created matter is evil, that our bodies are evil, this dualistic structure that only spirit is good, body is bad. Jesus was a messenger, not God incarnate, not the Messiah. So there's all these competing the theologies and philosophies floating around. Even the worship of angels, Paul talks about. They're focusing too much on angels, not on Christ. And so that's why Paul is writing and reminding them that they have been, what? Saved from the power of darkness and transferred. What a word, transferred. Get transferred from one department to another. Get transferred from one place to another, business to another, transferred, maybe another class to another class. Transferred from darkness into Christ's kingdom, that's the transfer we want. And that's the one that Christ came as king to provide for us. So we submit to that. And then the rest, friends, is all gravy. The rest is all good for us. Why do we celebrate that Christ is king? Because Christ is king over everything. And all that we have been through this year and all that we will continue to go through, all that humanity has been through from Adam and Eve forward, where society looked at itself and said, look at what we've been through. Look what we're in the middle of. Look what we see coming down the road. God is king. Christ is king. And again, it's not that those things evaporate and go away and you don't have to, diff you don't have to deal with difficult things. But so many things evaporate that plague us, our own sin, our own fear, even the, the fear of death, which nobody wants to embrace. But at the same time, we know it's not the end. It's only the new beginning. Christ did that for us. And we become so complacent week after week with the same terminology and the same Christ rose from the dead. Yay. Jesus is king of all. Whoopee. But when we stop and really consider what that means, we should rejoice. We should stand and scream from the mountaintops that yes, Christ has been raised and therefore Christ is our King. Because in doing so, we are submitting ourselves to Christ who is our Redeemer. Only he could do that. Only God would do that through Christ. 
And that's why we give thanks. Even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of layer upon layer upon layer, I know a lot of us have just been trying to put our head down and move forward, go through that wall, get through that wall, more layers get added on the other side of difficult stuff for us to move through. But while our head is down and we are seeking just to plow forward, that is the time when we bow to the king where we keep our head down and we pray to the risen Christ and we give thanks that he is indeed king, king of all, king of this earth, the firstborn of God, the symbol of love. If we have seen him, then we have seen God. This is our celebration. This is why the year ends with Christ the King Sunday. Because this is God's world and God is in charge and God came to bring us all life. So as we move forward out into our day, keep those things in mind. It is to our benefit to submit fully to God that we then fully inherit and reap the benefits of the resurrection and the crucifixion. And we do give thanks this week for all the things in our lives, but especially I challenge you to give thanks for the fact that Christ is King and Lord of all. And in him, we place our life, our fears, our joys, our journey. We hand over this world and those things that are out of our control. And that's where we say, this is the good news. Alleluia. Amen.